And welcome back to part three of my conversation with my buddy, Daniel Danovi. And I've got another partner in here on this one. Majana has joined us. And we are going to take some of your questions from the Facebook group and answer them. So, Daniel, are you ready for kind of a, uh, what do we call this, round robin, lightning round? Lightning That's round. Oh, a lightning round. I have to right. think fast. Okay. All right. We're going to do a lightning round. Majana, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Lightning round. So, quick answers, and we're going to spin them out here. So what is an easy way for a beginner to reprogram? That's a good question. Affirm- What's a good way for anybody to reprogram? <laughs> an easy way is affirmation. Like just talking to yourself, making a statement that you want to believe, that you want to integrate in your being. The important part of that, though, is to make a statement that sounds believable. If you get the little bullshit you know, response from your other than conscious mind, like there's a part of you that really doesn't believe it, that's getting in the way. Any doubt. And I, I can say that limiting beliefs will occur to you as being static in your life or like ever present, just part of the structure. Uh, it'll be like, I'm not good enough. Oh, we had those as specific questions. That's a big issue for people. The I'm not good enough one. That, that plagues everybody because, you know, we're constantly as a child, when something happens and we're ashamed, the first thing that pops in our head is that about me? Because the whole, our whole world revolves around us, you know, and our perception. So everything that's said has some reference to me. I didn't want to get off track there. We'll come back to that. Well, let's drill down on that some more when we do. But, but the, the limiting belief is going to occur as if it's unchangeable and just a, a given as part of your experience. And the good parts are, are considered processes. What's a, what's a good example? I had a client that said uh, he ended a, a, 22-year-old, a 22-year marriage, and he was basically told that he wasn't enough, he wasn't sexy, he wasn't attractive that, anymore, and so he just took that that was who he was, like he wasn't attracted. And that was a given. That was who he was, a part of his makeup, and he could do nothing with it. His mother probably told him that in some way or another, too. That's typically we get these hypotheses and we can talk about how belief is formed. But what I did is I changed it into a process and the I am statement. It said, I rephrased it and said, I am a man who is committed to connecting, building, connecting and loving relationships. Now there's nothing in there about not being good enough or not being sexy enough. Like it doesn't matter if you're committed to building lasting, loving relationships, then that's a whole new ballgame. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of affirmation of that you can live into. Not this, you know, I am a being of light and love. That's part of your brain says, no, you're not. Right. You get that <laughs> argument. That's exactly how I started was, was with affirmation. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think that is, that's how I would answer that too. How would a beginner begin to reprogram? It mm-hmm. would be with affirmations. You know, just saying, from the female perspective, uh, a man that's committed to lasting, loving relationships is sexy. Right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'm not a lady. I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> now, I loved Catherine Ponders, but there are a lot of good positive affirmations. Do you have any resources that you, that you like? I, Catherine Ponders just resonated to me, and they're very available. Just Google Catherine Ponder affirmations. Louise Hayes are very good and very powerful. I make up my own. I, I feel, you know. Just the situation. 
And if you're at a loss, by all means, go to Google. You know, you can list, you know, affirmations for money. And you read through them and you'll find for yourself some that resonate, some that feel real, and others that won't. All right. So let's take an example here now. I have $10 million by January 1st. And my conscious mind starts to say, nah. (laughs) Get real. Impossible. No, you don't. You're a phony. You're a fraud. Blah, blah, blah. What do you do about the conscious argument? And, And I used a silly extreme example. What if, I mean, on a serious note, I am a wonderful, loving, powerful person or something like that. And your conscious mind says, no, you're a schmuck. You're a fraud. You're a liar. You know, you're, you're nothing, which is that record of belief systems that mm-hmm. you've been subscribed to. How do you handle that? Well, you can challenge the statement, is it true? Are you really a schmuck? Are you always a schmuck? You might have times when, you know, you're not that wonderful, but is it across the board? Is it universal in nature? So what we want to do is bring some doubt into whatever's coming up in your mind. Is it the truth? Is it real? Because the moment you have doubt, whether you're trying to create something or you're trying to reinforce something, that doubt is going to eat away at it. And a belief, I said we'll talk a little bit about belief. There's no such thing as a belief, meaning that you can't point to it on the floor. You can't pull it out of your pocket. You can't can't hang it on the wall. These are all my beliefs. Look at this. <laughs> it's, it's a concept of mind. It's an idea. And typically, it's a story of meaning that we've do- adopted or believe to be true or are fairly certain is true. And so that level of certainty is key in it being a strong belief or a weak belief. You know, just how certain are you? So we introduce to get leverage on those kinds of statements. We create doubt. Is it true? Has it always been true? You know, is it true across the board in every situation? Have you ever have any counterexamples? Have you ever been nice to somebody? Have you ever been loving to somebody? And then we amplify, begin to focus on those situations. If you think about it as a human being, even by the age of 20, you have so many different examples of when you've had stellar moments or less than stellar moments. But we tend to, and this somebody came up with this, you know, why do we focus on the negative? Because our brain is wired to help us survive and to avoid pain. And if we can avoid those other, those situations, then we're not going to feel pain in the future. So that, and it becomes practice. We actually practice uh, those, and it could be from childhood where those things are given to us on a repetitive basis. You lever them out to nothing. You know, you're, you're horrible. You never clean your room. It's like, why are you such a mess? (laughs) So it's, we tend to pay attention to those and it's just a default. And when I said earlier, we want to interrupt the pattern and by interrupting the pattern, we do anything that is contrary to fulfilling that pattern of thought. Like one thought leads in the next thought. If you've ever had a conversation with somebody like in a, in a restaurant or a bar and it's like really getting involved, really hanging on each other's words. And then suddenly one of you has to go to the bathroom and holding it. Like, I got to go to the bathroom. And says, okay. And so you part ways and one goes to the bathroom and the other one says, well, I need to go too. And then you get back and it's like, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> like, it's like you interrupt the flow. Or if you go walk into a room 
to go get something. And then someone asks you something as soon as you get there. And then you wonder, well, why, what was the real reason I came in here? Because yeah, it interrupts that, that chain of thought, interrupts that pattern. And when we can interrupt that pattern, we get leverage on it and we can begin to shift it. Okay, great question. Now, before we go on with the lightning round, I'd like for you to tell people what you're up to online. Well, for the last 30 years, I've been primarily working with people face-to-face, belly button to belly button. I've done live workshops. I haven't done a lot online. And I realize uh, I, an old dog needs to learn new tricks, and I need to move into the online space. I mean, I actually have had a Facebook profile since 2007. A big one. So, and but I haven't really been teaching much online. So I have several courses that I've been developing and I'm putting out there. The first one is one that was really going to address a lot of subconscious processing. It's fun. It's called how to rewire your brain for abundance. And so it utilizes mind body states, anchoring, which is a hypnotic technique, um, how to amplify it, through visualization and actually make that feeling of abundance and get it to your core, right in your bones. And that's, it deals with, am I enough? Am I valuable enough? All those core beliefs that people continually question. And it's through this process that it's going to be a, a, my signature course because it teaches everything and it Excellent. has a good affordable price, something that's within reach of anybody. Good. All right. Excellent. Um, how about something for listeners of this podcast? Absolutely. Uh, go to yesdaniel.com slash oh, cool, Thomas. Cool website. And uh, I'll, I'll create the page for you, but slash Thomas, and you'll get a discount. And I'll actually put on a free audio, a hypnotic audio to help build the trust and rapport between your conscious and your subconscious mind. That'll be free. Awesome. And then you'll get potential discount if you go ahead. Okay, so that's yesdaniel.com. Forward slash Thomas. All right, you got it. Is it forward slash or backward slash? I think it's the forward slash, the one over here by the question mark. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, here's one. How do you recognize or identify limiting beliefs yourself without a counselor or without a coach? Well, there are some that are easy because it just gets in the way of you fulfilling on what you want. So if I didn't believe this, then I could make that $10 million. Or if I could believe this, then I could have. So it's like if this was not present, then I could move ahead in the direction I want. But there are hidden beliefs. There are things that get in our way that we just consider part of it. So you look at your, your current story, and you can think of your belief as your current narrative or your current story. So if that is like, does my current idea or my current story about my life support my dreams and intentions? If it doesn't, there's a limiting belief there. I think there's one other concept that you can overlay or underlay with this is attention. In the interview that we did in just uh, the podcast a couple ago before yours, uh, Daniel was with Fred Dodson, and he mentioned this very thing is one of the reasons we get into these states is that we don't pay attention to our lives. So just some conscious awareness to what's going on. We kind of talked about that in the first, in part one, can make a huge difference in opening up. You just get your journal out and you ask yourself, okay, what's working? Put over on the left-hand page what's working, what's not working. Write that down on the right side page. 
then start to look for patterns. That's, that's, that's wonderful. The asking the question, is my life or am I living my life on the best of my ability? Am I hitting on all cylinders? If there's some room for improvement, it's probably because there's a limiting belief there. And just asking the question, you know, what's possible? Am I living up to my potential? We don't typically ask that. We just want to get to work on time. Say your line again from part one about I can't. It is the ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say, I can't. You are the determining factor. And you can ask, is this, we can go levels of belief real quick. And is this a cosmological uh, background? Is it, is God preventing you? Is it, you know, against your religion? Is it not possible? You know, are you living within the realm of possibility? The other is level of self-concept. Is it possible for you? Is it, are you constrained by your environment? I had a woman that said that uh, her lifelong dream was to work with children in industry, India that were starving and that she was never going to get to India so she couldn't fulfill on her dream. I said, well, the essence of that is to actually work with children, isn't it? To feed hungry children. There are hungry children right here in Dallas. There are hungry children all over the place. You can begin your life's work right now. And so suddenly she had freedom because she had a limiting belief that it had to be in India instead of that was the best form versus essence. And we could probably talk about that. That's valuable. Uh, Essence versus form is the, uh, we get caught up in the form of something. Let's say money. I want $10 million. No, you don't. Not really. You want what $10 million will afford you give you the ability to do it. It'll give you freedom. It'll give you the ability to travel, uh, to make your own schedule, to quit your podcast. Who knows? (laughs) I wouldn't do that. (laughs) But that the money is the form that takes you to the essence. And the essence is always an emotion. It's always an emotional state, a mind-body state that you want at the end. That's why people do drugs. That's why they get in relationships. They don't want the relationship. They want how they feel inside a relationship. And so when you get connected to the essence of that, then you begin to open up the possibilities that there's many roads that lead to Rome, and you don't have to take just this one path. And that's, that is a limiting belief destroyer by getting connected to the essence. Okay, so this, this particular question thread then goes on, and let's attack this now. The I'm not worthy belief, because we had multiple people. And by the way, these questions were in our Facebook group. So if you're not in there, we would invite you. It's private, so you have to request to join. But just search in Facebook, Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast Listeners. And it's visible, and you can can find it. Request to join, and we'd be glad to have you in. That's where these conversations, these kinds of conversations happen. But this, this thread of I'm not worthy beaten into me since I was a child. Majana had that very much where the day we met, her mantra was, I'm not good enough. So talk about that as a, as a limiting belief. Well, both those statements are, it's like a condition of being you and like, I'm not worthy. And you know, the old, I'm not worthy. (laughs) But if in that idea, it's an incomplete statement. I'm not worthy of what? I'm not worthy of love. Well, who says? 
I'm not worthy of money. If you go to a job, they'll pay you. And so you're worthy of its, its value. So we get in the concept of deservability. I had a client that was talking about all her problems was that she didn't think she deserved success. And she's standing right in front of me. I said, well, do you deserve to stand right there? Like, who said you could stand right there and talk to me? I chose to stand here. Well, if you moved over there, would you deserve to stand there? You get to go wherever you want because you choose to. Like this choice. It's not about deserving. Deserving is a way of control. It's a way society has tried to control you and to behave. You don't deserve to have, you know, the candy or the dessert. You haven't been a good girl or boy. And so the whole idea of not being good enough is that we want is the idea of perfection, that we should be able to go out and do whatever we accomplish right off the gate without a learning process. If you are invested in the mindset of growth, personal growth and learning, you realize that it's all a process. You're a work of art in progress. I think this is an interesting part of this question where somebody said that they are working on not only releasing the misguided beliefs, but the anger associated with them. Well, that goes back to control. And, you know, who's at the the helm of the ship? Is it your parents? Is it, you can, like, what is it Bill Gates said? You can't help being born into poverty, but if you die in poverty, that's your fault. So it's the idea that, yeah, you may have had certain conditions uh, growing up. Your parents may not have been that nice. Your uncle may, who knows what the teacher said. It's, do you still blame them? Are they victimizing you still many, many years later? Like you have to accept control over your thoughts that you are the, you're the captain of your ship. You're the governor of your, your estate, whatever it is. And so when we have the anger, it's actually fear that, and the fear is I'm not enough that I deserved it or whatever the treatment was. And nobody deserves anything really. It's, it's just another way of controlling things. So this person said that now she wants to focus on self-love and really, in all caps, really believing, I mean, truly, right? Really, truly believing that I am worthy. And she was saying, feeling not worthy of love specifically. Well, love is one of those words is considered in language anomalization. It's a verb that we've turned into a noun as if it's a thing. And like you can fall into love and embrace love, hang on to love. I let the love go, you know, whatever it is. But it is actually a word you live. So when we try to measure it, like in I am not lovable or I don't love myself enough. Well, how much too much don't you love yourself? So when we turn that into a process, turn it into a way of living, you can be loving. So you can begin to make the commitment to be loving to yourself and loving to other people. When you're practicing love, when you have love in practice, then you call up that emotion of love inside you. And it's not, it's no reason to be measured. It's just an expression of how you are being. And when you're being, it's how you align your heart with your head and your body. It's the totality of how you show up. And there's then you start doing loving things for yourself. I think I responded to her. One of the things that I did when I was 28 and I realized that I was taking a lot of action that wasn't very nurturing or loving to myself. So I 
started making a practice of buying bouquet of flowers on on Thursday or Friday because I was home all weekend or most of the weekend and I could enjoy them. So I would put them on my dining room table and they were a nice springy color, four or five bucks at the, the local market. And they would be there. And every time I walked by it, I said, those flowers are there because I deserve beauty all around me. And I love myself. So I just had these affirmations. So I had an actual physical uh, action that I could pull, put that affirmation to and make it alive in my experience. That's but reprogramming right there. That's the reprogramming. And I, I, I started uh, indulging in baths and I got the particular Calgon, you know, bath salts that I liked. Um, I got, bought special soaps and I, all this little stuff was because I love and I deserve it. I started buying, mm. you know, kaleidoscopes. I was denied toys when I, I wasn't denied my, well, we really couldn't afford it. And so once I got a job and I could easily afford it, I went to Toys R Us, which is no longer a business, but I went to Toys R Us and I spent $100 on everything that I was told I couldn't get, that we couldn't afford. <laughs> I love it. So I bought balls and little games and kaleidoscopes and a kite and, and that, I never had that come up ever again. Here's something that I know you are quite proficient at, language patterns. So I want to read from one person who said, um, I know that I have limiting beliefs and blocks, but I cannot figure out the exact issue. And then here, this is uh, this lack, this doubt, which holds me back from progressing to the next level. Does the doubt ever go away? Now, one thing Fred Dodson taught me in email coaching, by the way, was whenever you write things like this, those patterns really come to the surface. So email coaching is a really good technique. Or just free writing is a really good technique. Because if you can identify your own patterns, okay, so what's going on here? Here's somebody who is professing, I have limiting beliefs and I can't figure them out. Here's somebody who is professing, this doubt holds me back. Now let's take that through the filter of, re, of rerouting, rewiring that. Well, when someone says it with, with that emphatic um, expression, it is a belief that is in the way, and it's hard for them to see their way around it. So I have you engage your imagination, and all you do is ask it this way. If you could see the belief the limiting belief, what might it be? If you did know, and, and if you were just to imagine or wonder how many different ways are you limiting currently your expression in life? You know, how are you getting in your own way? And suddenly when you ask it just a little bit different, out kind of like the, the stand, I'm just inquiring, I'm just curious, I'm wondering, if I did know, how much, what would it be? And answers just pop right in. And it, it's a way to get around that, that stand that a person takes. Like, life isn't working out for me. Well, again, all over the place. Can you get to work on time? Can you, you know, feed yourself? Can you make it to the bathroom? You know, it's working somewhere in your life. And so we need to begin to look for exceptions. And whenever there's a, a, a linguistic stance like that as a linguistic stand, then we try and chip away at it and find exceptions.
because those are universal in nature. And there's nothing universal, there's nothing universal, uh, and you'll never find it. It's, uh, I just kind of disqualified what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) A a universal statement is, I always, I never, I never get what I want. And the question is, never? Ever, ever? Never say never. Not just once? And all you need is find one exception. And most people are using their experience to gauge their future. There's a, there's a pattern called your predictive future. And so people typically th- take the last three to five experiences and forecast those into the future. And so you begin to find exceptions to the rule. Again, when I said you're 20, 25, you've had hundreds of thousands of experiences that you could call upon. Why are you choosing the ones you're choosing to call up? Why don't you call the best times up? Call the all the times you laughed your butt off. Now, they're there. Maybe far, few and far between, but if you amplify those and focus on those, that focus becomes your experience. What Fred taught me was just basically to catch that line right in its tracks. Okay, wait a minute. I have limiting beliefs. Now, if you keep saying that, you are going to have limiting beliefs. So you rephrase that to say, I, ch- I, am, I am a free change agent of anything that holds me back in my life, right? You rephrase that to exactly what you want. You take the statement about, I know I have the doubts. When are the doubts going to go away? You reframe that to, because of the inner work that I am doing, I have confidence in the universe and in myself, and I march boldly straight into the fire. That's one way to do it. Uh, and it works many times. But if the person is resistant in that, uh, a lot of times someone will come in and say, you know, my life never works. I never get what I want. I'm a failure in love. And if you come back and say, you can have anything you want, you can create the reality you want, they're going to say no, because they have that belief there. So part of gaining rapport with your other than conscious, and if that belief is coming up, you could say, um, it's true. You do have some limiting beliefs in there somewhere. Um, so you kind of pace what's true. Uh, like I can say, you're sitting there on that, that stool talking to on, you know, this podcast and we're in this booth having a conversation. True, true, true. True. And then I can say, and from this point forward, you're going to have the most amazing life possible more than you can even imagine now. True. <laughs> because who knows where this is going to go? True. So there's nothing specific there, but I took true, 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 and then I sent you off in a new direction. So if this particular person, I have limiting beliefs, we all have limiting beliefs. It's all a process of uncovering them. But it's like the more insistent you are that they're there and they get in your way, the more they will get in your way. There was a guy named Daniel Boone one time. Uh, He was an American frontiersman, and he had this statement that I thought was funny as hell as a kid. It says, I ain't never been lost, but I was once bewildered for about three days. (laughs) (laughs) And as a kid, I thought that was completely funny, hilarious. But as an adult, I realized this is really profound. In his mind, he was never, ever lost. Once you declare yourself lost, then you're lost. You can't be anything else. Once you declare yourself fat, 
that's the way you are. Every time you look in the mirror, you're going to see fat. That's what Fred was saying. And so the idea is to be in process or be the cure. Yeah. So and rather than be the limitation, be you can say, I'm in the process of uncovering all my limiting beliefs and changing them. Like yeah. you said, I can be, I'm a change agent. So it's, it's identifying and validating what's currently the current belief that's there and then leading yourself to a new direction. We tend to, and this is referred to as the spiritual bypass, we tend to try and rise above the mucky muck feeling and pretend it's not there. And in doing so, we just kind of push it aside and it comes up later even more powerfully because we, once we deal with it, once we acknowledge it and that it's there, we can let it go. I love the transparency of these questions. This is some great just personal exposure and work. So thank you for those of you who wrote these for just being vulnerable. She says, can this belief system, can these thoughts be pushed to the side enough to allow the new thought patterns to develop and become my new truth? In other words, can you get the old chatter out of your head long enough to replace it with something? People a lot of times will say, I can't let go of this. This is in the way. Like, like they're carrying around a marker in their hand. Like, I can't let go of this. And all it takes is to acknowledge, oh, I'm carrying a marker. I want to let go of this. And the more we hang on to the belief and we think that it's in the way, it's a thought. It's you chose it on some level. And you can choose a different thought. Now, anything you've ever learned is never unlearned. But if you learn a more productive way of doing something, a more beneficial belief, a more beneficial way of doing something, your other than conscious mind will choose that because it's working on your behalf. You just haven't given yourself enough options. So options thinking from biology, there's a term called requisite variety. And it's the idea that an organism that will survive is the one that is most flexible to its environment. In engineering, they do the reverse in order to control an environment. They remove as many variables as possible and so in these limiting statements, there's very few options. So if we can create new options, like I know I have limiting beliefs, but I'm in the process of uncovering them. Any time or any place that my life isn't working, I realize that there's potential for a limiting belief, that it can be replaced. And it's just coming up with a more productive one. And the idea of pushing them aside and bringing a new one in it's like, just let it go and be in the practice of letting it go. Like you, do you care that you fell and skinned your knee when you were five? You let it go. You got up, ran away and started playing again. Like you're not plagued with, oh, I fell and skinned my knee when I was five. Daniel, I want to add something that you said a minute ago that I love about buying yourself flowers. Because I think it's really important that we associate an action with these thoughts Example, I didn't know this until I was a parent, that I love fresh fruit. And when I was growing up, like you, we didn't have the money. So when we have had the money, I was always given the impression that I had to ask before I could have a piece of fresh fruit, and I really didn't deserve that. So as a parent, I would buy it for my kids but deny it to myself. And one day I caught myself doing that. I thought, I, I never eat this. Nectarines are my favorite. I, I never eat these and I love them. 
why do I not eat them? And I traced it back to that because I don't deserve this. So I ate one and I felt really guilty. So I ate another one. <laughs> and then I felt defiant. And then I started going all organic <laughs> because I deserve it. And it's healthy and my body deserves that. So acknowledge these beliefs, but then put them to action. The, the, the physical action tied to it with the affirmation is really powerful because it's grounded on so many different levels. Because it, then it just doesn't become a concept because it, it then becomes an, a way of living. And it's easier to live your way into a new way of being than to think your way in. I'd like to uh, throw another spin on this. Just take a right turn at Albuquerque here and hang another thread on this conversation. That um, we were talked, we touched on this in part one. That if we view our life as attached to this physical reality, then we do get all upset about lack of this or not having that or um, can't move this forward or like my friend who I told you was going through a real challenging personal experience right now who might lose a business over it could um, is feeling that threat and is all wrapped up in that. But like you were saying, if you take this from the soul's perspective and if you take this from the universal perspective of that we are on this path and the synchronicities of life align us with our purpose when we don't resist them, that if you remove that resistance to what is happening, then you go back. Now, you've got to do the work, like you say, of, am I creating this in some way? That's a checkpoint. But as long as you're not creating this some way and the stream of life is taking you in a direction, let go of the oar and see where the boat goes. You said something interesting that the idea that our life is real, it goes back to self-concept. If you consider who you are as a person, most people, you're not your body. You're not where you live. And it's not even the description that somebody else might say of you. Is you know, even though someone has an opinion of who you are, you know you're so much more. But you can't, 99% of who you are, you can't see, touch, or feel. It's conceptual. It lives energetically. And if you look at quantum physics, it's all an interplay of different energies and that whatever is real is a manifestation of what we choose to look at. There's a thing called a reticular activating system. And let's say that I walk outside and when I leave here and I notice that the front tire needs, you know, be replaced somewhere. It's not important. It's not dangerous. But I'm going to have to replace it. So before you know it, that becomes a question tender to my other than conscious mind. I begin to notice tire sales. I begin to notice that there's a discount tire around the corner from where I live. Who knew? Lucky me. <laughs> and, you know, I start seeing tire sales on the evening news and in the newspaper. And suddenly it's like, wow, they're all over the place. Well, there's a tire sale going on every day of the week because they know that people don't look for tires until they need them. And the same with furniture and mattresses and major appliances. They're always on sale. See, this reticular activating system, there's so many uh, stimuli and amounts of information in our environment that we've, uh, we only pay attention to certain aspects of it, certain criteria that we've adopted along the way. And sometimes the things we pay attention to aren't that important or they're detrimental. It's just a matter of like we haven't paid attention to the right things. 
So this process of beginning to focus on, say, the limiting beliefs, you can begin to, to focus on how many beliefs do I have that support me? How many different ways do I nurture myself? You know, how do I already take care of myself in amazing ways? And then we can use those to reaffirm. But that idea that we are more than our body or our physical you know, appearance that opens up an entire universe that we are a spiritual being having a human experience and not the other way around. Okay, now let's bring this down to some real-life stuff. I've got a friend in Atlanta who was told that he has a large mass in his lung and it had already eaten into a rib. He is in massive pain, and the most humane thing is, you know, that it might be quick. There's basically no hope. Could there be something? Yes, and it would be against every aspect. It would be like walking on water. Uh, my friend who's about to lose his, his business is playing that out in his mind so that if he doesn't shift that belief system, he probably will. These worst, you know, like, so then when we say, well, wait a minute, this isn't real, this isn't a reality. Um, somebody emailed me not long ago and said that the Hindu belief system is very much along the lines of a mat- of the, that this is a matrix, that this is, in essence, a dream. How do you tell the spouse of my friend in Atlanta this is a dream. Well, one, it is not a, you, in in her experience. You can say it's not a dream; it is reality. So, if you accept it is as it is, what it is, what are you left with? What is there now to do? So, this idea that we are in the blame or we are at the effect of our our environment or our life gets in the way of us actually moving forward. Anytime you play the victim, there's nothing to do from there. Like. You're being victimized of circumstance. So yeah. you're, you're either at the mercy of events or you're at the cause of your life. And so sometimes we live in a grander reality and, and we uh, work with other people. We bump up against other people's creations. And so we have to deal with reality as it shows up rather than fight against it and say it shouldn't and could be some other way. Like, this is the way it is. What do I go from here? What's now possible? What, what do I need to put into action? So he has this mass. Like, one, it's the assumption that death is, there's something wrong with death. Uh, he may have wanted more time, but, you know, all the time he has is all the time he has. So how do I use this to the greatest of my ability? And I start looking for examples, too. Has anyone been given a life-threatening or a life-ending uh, determination and then rose above it? All the time. All the time. In fact, uh, in the, noet- the noetic.org, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, they have the largest database of spontaneous remission. So if you want to start searching for some evidence that there's something more possible, you start looking there. Yeah. Thanks to Google, you can go anywhere with this. Oh, good answer. Thank you for that. Let's take this one on. Sir, that was for you. <laughs> yes. Why is it that negative thoughts emerge so quickly? much more than positive ones. We kind of danced on this earlier, but I wanted to drill down on it. Well, first, it's the mechanism of the mind is self-survival. So you tend to see what's going wrong with the situation first and then possibly a situation or a solution. So it's just recognized as a pattern of the mind. It's very natural. You don't have to live there. But if you live there, that's your choice. Then it becomes a program where you begin to identify that's the criteria 
in your environment. It's the negative input, the negative self-talk that seems all pervasive. And again, I ask the question of people, if you were your own best friend, because obviously you're the only person you're with 24-7, 365, 365 days a year, it's incumbent upon you to be your own best friend. At the mer- People pretend they're at the mercy of these inner thoughts as if they can't c- control their thoughts. From meditation, I know firsthand that we have thoughts. We are not our thoughts. Because as a thought comes in, in meditation, we acknowledge it and then release it. And doing that enough times, you realize that there, you are something more, something deeper beyond the thoughts. So when you have the negative self-talk, you identify, is this me or is this from my past? Is this my programming? And if it's programming, you can interrupt it and say, I no longer choose to believe that. I, I have a client, that's, he, he, excellent statement. He says, I divorce you. <laughs> like, I'm no longer talking to you. Like, there you go. Like, and then I'm, I'm searching for a new lover. And so it's like, I divorce you. I'm searching for a new lover, someone that can appreciate me for who I am. And I'm calling in a different, different conversation. I like Jack Canfield's cancel, cancel, or some people say control, alt, delete, <laughs> right? You know, but it's playful where you get your, there's that pattern interrupt. Yes. Or, you know, you're in the, the repetitive, non-productive thought and you interrupt that with some kind of fun thing. Hopefully, if it makes you laugh, that's that's better. So one of the uh, thoughts that I had on this thread is, um, golly, Daniel, 10 years ago, you and I were just getting to know each other. And at that same time, literally, I'm thinking, let me think of the year now. This would have been, we met in 10, 09, the year before we met. I couldn't find a positive thought. Well, actually, it was 09, so it would have been 2008. Okay. Would have been the year well, before eight, that. eight was for sure. Nine was a year. I swear to goodness, I could not. So the year we met then, mm. I could not find a positive thought. Now, actually, I think if we met in the later part of the year, this was like the first half of the year, and I started, I found this material, and I really started to study it and apply it. I was out there in my RV with my journal writing these affirmations and like, I can do this. And then all of a sudden what happened is, guess what? This stuff worked. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I traded in a old pickup truck that I didn't know how I was going to get rid of and got my Jeep that I still have. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I created this. <laughs> and boy, from there it took off. And then the positive starts, thoughts really started to affirm themselves. But seriously, I would wake up in the morning in a sheer terror of anxiety, sitting straight up in bed, just afraid of the day. And what would get me to bed at night was a bottle or more of wine to literally knock me out. And that's the pattern that I'm even hearing from people now. These Some of these people I'm talking to and that have expressed their own issues is they're self-medicating just to numb the pain. And thinking about turning that paradigm around now, today, fast forward, it would be the other way around. I don't drink. I can hardly find a negative thought. Could probably create one, but would have to work at it. And now life is moving at a, an amazing pace. And we're doing exactly what I talked about a minute ago. We're floating down the river with a gentle paddle in our hand and letting the river take us where the river wants to go. 
And I've got to tell you, it's unbelievable. Well, a lot of people feel that emotions just arise. Like they don't know why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And so they, they will try and self-medicate. If you think that every feeling is a result of what you picture in your mind and what you're saying to yourself, it's actually the result of a pattern of thinking that you have. It's a destination. And most people don't stay in one feeling for very long. They kind of float all over the place and like roller coasters. The more consistent your thinking, the more consistent your thoughts, the more consistent your emotions. And what you were saying earlier, like you can't, you couldn't find a positive thought. And most people feel like that's their normal life. Depending on the questions we ask, if you realize that that pain, that suffering is not normal, it's actually a function of dysfunctional thinking. And when I I'm not like labeling you as a dysfunctional thinker. It's just that you have a pattern of thought that's not productive. And if you want a more productive, just begin looking like the limiting belief, like there's nothing positive in my life. Well, if you could find one thing positive in your life, what might it be? I had a guy tell me one time, like, I don't have confidence whatsoever. Like, I'm totally not confident. And uh, I said, are you sure? I says, he said, yes. Are you absolutely sure you don't have confidence? Well, that feeling of surety that you don't have confidence, that's confidence. Your confidence that you don't have confidence. That feeling of confidence. See, confidence is just a feeling. So you begin to look anywhere in your life where you might have a resource like that. And then you just build upon it and focus upon it. Just like me looking for tires. Whatever you focus upon expands. Like If you're looking for a brand new car and you pick out just the model and you think, no one has this car. I've No one has this color. And then once you buy it, you start seeing them on every street corner at every stoplight. It's, it just was off your radar before. So if you can't find a positive thought, just realize that you're not paying attention to the positive aspects and that there's somewhere. It's just a matter of paying attention to the right place. Here was my simple deduction of the way I approached it when I started studying this material. And here's somebody telling me this kind of thing. And I looked at where I was. I looked at those thoughts. I was hearing this other message. Certainly wasn't applying in my life. But my little deduction was, what have I got to lose? Why not just affirm all this positive stuff and see what happens? It can't be any worse. Okay, maybe I look like an idiot. I won't tell anybody. I'll just do it, right? And I did. And like I said, didn't take long. It worked. I was talking to a a client and they had just had the best year ever and had brought in gross uh, over $930,000 in sales. And what did they say? I could have got a million. If I would have worked harder, I could have got a million. And like that wasn't like they couldn't celebrate the success that they had had. They found what was wrong with it. And like almost a million dollars, it's close enough. So how can we celebrate in small ways? How can we find those celebratory? And it's, you get to choose, you get to say, like, if your life is in the toilet, it's because somewhere along the line, you accepted it. And it might sound harsh. And a lot of psychologists say, well, you're just blaming people. I'm not blaming. It's like a 
A plus B equals C. You know, one plus one equals two. It's simple math. If you do certain things, you're going to get a certain result. And if you don't like the result you're getting, do something different. I would have celebrated the 900 and then said, and we have next year. Right, right. (laughs) It's like, look what we're going to do next year. If we did that this year, wow. You know, it's like you don't even think that other thought. Don't even let it in the door. Okay. But that is programming and that's practice. It is. No, it is. That's totally, that's totally true. And, you know, this podcast is chock full of 200 episodes. You've got a coaching program, yesdaniel.com forward slash Thomas. If you'd go check out his online coaching program or online course, online course. Well, there's actually six courses there Mm -hmm. uh, that I'll make available at special price for your listeners. Awesome. Um, and then my website will have more, but you'll have to go to that specific slash Thomas to get any special offer from this this gig. Okay, there you go. YesDaniel.com forward slash Thomas. But there are all these resources that we've talked about. Fred Dodson, 25 audiobooks. I've mentioned Bob Proctor. You can get tons of Bob Proctor on, on YouTube. All of these resources are just there. You can avail yourself of what speaks to you. The thing is, you got to do the work. You've got to do the work. Okay, one last question here. We'll wrap up with this. Why do we have to reach 30 years old before awakening, and then sometimes the suffering drags one to an awakening point? I think the question here is, what's magical about 30? And it is. There is something magical about it. I think you and I both answered this person, but your take. Why 30? What's magical about 30 years old? Well, for me, my, my awakening was at 28. Uh, one of many, uh, but it was one where I really kind of woke up from the programming of my childhood. And I think that was because I had reached a particular age where I was making a lot of decisions in my life independent of my cultural uh, programming. Before that, we're under the, the cultural influence of our tribe and you know the, the cultural hypnosis, you might say, of this is what it means to be a person. And we begin to question you know, our choices and the sustainability of our choices. You know, am I going to be able to stay in this relationship the rest of my life? Am I going to, you know, be able to stay in this career the rest of my life? I hate it. You know, I thought it was going to be different. So we come up against these, where these choice points where we get to either stay the course or choose a different path. Now, I think there's another awakening that happens in our late 30s and early 40s. Sometimes that's referred to as the uh, midlife crisis yeah. But it's those those periods of time where we realize that the stories and the models that we've been brought up to believe are no longer factual. They're no longer true. So we have to recreate ourselves. I answered uh, with a different take using astrology, which is a there's a very significant thing that takes place at 28 and a half. So right in that time frame that you're talking about, that's when the planet Saturn goes all the way around our astrological chart and comes back to the same place where it was when we were born. It's called the Saturn return. You can Google all kinds of information on it. And that is the same type of an idea. It's the transition point, if you will, energetically or cosmically from adolescence to adulthood. And a lot of the things, so since Saturn represents shaking out and shaking up things that don't serve us, That's what happens when Saturn crosses itself for that first time. You mentioned a job change, a divorce, and a geographic change all happened within a couple of years of that. That's so typical. 
mine was pretty benign. And one of the reasons is I was so just checked out from life. I was like a zombie. I was doing my thing. I was producing a TV show and traveling and, you know, and just there wasn't much there um, at that point. But the second Saturn return, I was standing up at the top of the mountain in Aspen going, you know what, this has been fun, but there's something else. And literally six weeks later, I was back in Dallas with Majana. And didn't know that at the time. She is something else. Yeah. I like that Saturday show. <laughs> <laughs> and we've launched this new business. We've advanced everything that we're doing. And all of that triggered from that second Saturn return. So it really, the, the framing of it is not just something to be feared. A lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, all this bad stuff. It's going to prune. Absolutely. But it will if you're working with the energy. And if you're flowing down the river with a gentle oar in your hand, let the river take you where you want to go. I could have very easily held on to my little world in Aspen with a very tight fist and didn't. I was totally open to whatever else is out there, whatever else is next. And with that, the universe was just very benefic in making that transition. There is a fundamental trust there. And if there's one thing that I can leave people with, and I don't know if we're going to have more of these. or Oh, absolutely. One of, one of the things that's most important is to trust your other than conscious mind. And when you trust your other than conscious, that, that is not just your subconscious, but that's also the universe and divinity. and Intuition. Intuition, intuition. That's a whole other thing to get into. Cause that's, that's That'll a, get you back over here for more. <laughs> gain, gaining that rapport with your other than conscious mind uh, is is connected directly to intuition. So it's part of that intuitive guidance. It comes from your subconscious. The other part, it comes from an expanded awareness or super consciousness. And it's not important to decipher which is which. That is the most impactful skill that you can pick up is listening to your inner voice, listening to your other than conscious, listening and then just beginning to trust just the idea that your other than conscious mind is constantly 24 hours a day, seven days a week working on your behalf and wants you to be happy, wants you to live. And the only thing that's getting in the way is some programming that you've adopted as true. And once you decide that's not true for me, I'm taking a different path. It's like I tell people you can get on the, on I-30 here in Dallas and head east and sooner or later it's inevitable you're going to end up in Little Rock. Inevitable unless you get off. If you take a different road, you're going to end up somewhere else. Right. And it's just a matter of taking the roads that are going to take you to where you want to go. It doesn't matter. I, I can be halfway between here and Little Rock, and I don't have to be moan. Oh, I started out in Dallas. If I only I hadn't started out in Dallas, I wouldn't be here now. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter where you've been. I mean, there's there's two schools of thought. You can go back and heal the past. Or you can just leave the past in the past and create from this moment now. And it's just how much of the old you are you going to move forward? And it's just a matter of letting stuff go, letting stuff. You can just say, that's the old me. That that is no longer pertinent to my life. I no longer choose that. Cancel, cancel. Very good. Very well said. Buddy, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming over here to my new palace <laughs> my charcoal gray walls palace i love your tech 
Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's a cool booth, isn't it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't touch that microphone. Well, listen, thank you. Really appreciate it. And yes, we would be happy to have you back. Tell them about your website one more time. Go to Yes Daniel. Yes Daniel. Yes Daniel. Yes Daniel dot com. Uh, that'll be the main site. If you want to go to any special offer that I have from this podcast, uh, backslash or forward slash Thomas. Uh, and there'll be something special for you there. Awesome. Absolutely, there'll be a free audio, uh, a hypnotic audio, just to bridge the communication between your conscious and your subconscious mind. Perfect. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your friendship as well. Oh, my pleasure. My gift. <laughs> Send them off one more time. Wherever you are, wherever you're going, enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.